You're listening to Anita Marks on 98.7 ESPN. You're listening to Anita Marks on 98.7 ESPN. All right, it is hour three, really hour four, if you uh, were tuning in to our golf show. It is Sunday Funday, presented by Grand Marnier. Grand Marnier takes cocktails from ordinary to unforgettable, adding a layer of sophistication to some of the world's most well-loved cocktails. This is click, 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 or don't. Very simply, here's the headline. Are you interested in clicking or not? That's right. It's time for Click or Don't Click, a fun way. We take our tour around our wide, wide world of sport. We find out what is trending based on the headlines that our producers tee up for us. And that is Tom and Harvey this morning. Gentlemen, lead the way. What you got? All right, Anita. So I teased it earlier when the caller mentioned it. Last night in Cleveland... We had ourselves one hell of a brawl, better than the Jake Paul-Nate Diaz fight that I definitely didn't watch. In one corner, we had the Guardians short, not shortstop, Guardians third baseman, Jose Ramirez. In the other corner, we had White Sox shortstop, Tim Anderson. And the fight was on. Tom Hamilton, WTAM 1100 with the call. A swing and a smash to first by the diving Vaughn. Down the right field line. Kicks into the corner. Ramirez on his way to second. Head first slide. Safe and in to score is Jimenez. And another hustle double. Right over the bag at first. Now Jose and Anderson square off. They're fighting. They're swinging. Down goes Anderson. Down goes Anderson. A first round TKO <laughs> by Jose Ramirez. I am boxing. That is Conor McGregor, not Jose Ramirez, just for the record. But Jose Ramirez with the right hand punch right to the face of Tim Anderson in the brawl that has taken social media by storm over the past 12 hours. Of course, both were ejected from the game for their roles and probably will face suspensions. Tim Anderson, in my opinion, should take take a longer suspension for not only instigating the fight, but for also getting knocked out so viciously by Jose Ramirez. If you watched a video, which you can find on Twitter or X, whatever the hell you want to call it nowadays, uh, yeah, Tim Anderson was very wobbly after the mat, after the fact. And yeah, it was just a very entertaining uh, way. The White Sox did win the game, but all that matters is Jose Ramirez won the brawl. Down goes Frazier. Down. Can can we just, can we, can we replay that one more? Like, could you imagine, like, did that guy have it in that, in his back pocket? Like if ever, if ever there's a fight, well, and, you know, he's, he's, he's calling plays for major league baseball. And like, he had that down goes freight. Like he has it in his back pocket. That. Oh, so familiar phrase from boxing. That was brilliant. It was really brilliant. Yeah, let, let's take a listen to that again from Tom Hamilton again on WTAM 1100 out in Cleveland with the brilliant call. A swing and a smash to first by the diving Vaughn. Down the right field line. Kicks.
Kicks into the corner. Ramirez on his way to second. Head first slide. Safe and in to score is Jimenez. And another hustle double. Right over the bag at first. Now Hosey and Anderson square off. They're fighting. They're swinging. Down goes Anderson. Down goes Anderson. <laughs> Fantastic call. And as, oh my gosh, yeah. <laughs> George Foreman knocking out Joe Frazier, Howard Cosell, and we we get to relive it in Major League Baseball. I mean, that was brilliant. Uh, seriously, brilliant call, right? It most certainly was. As far as I can see, unfortunately, he doesn't do any calls for boxing matches or any sort of fighting matches. He's been doing uh, <laughs> Cleveland Guardians baseball for quite a long time on the radio end. However, he sounds like he could be a natural announcer on the radio, or even on the television, if he wants to call fights in the future. Yeah, really. Um, so, I'm sorry. I just, I was so mesmerized by the call. So, so any, what, what's, what's the outcome here? Who's, who's going to be suspended? How long? Any, any of that uh, reported yet? Nothing known yet. Again, both were ejected. Um, and we don't know whether or not they're good. Well, they should be suspended. They probably will be because Major League Baseball doesn't take uh, fighting very, uh, very kindly on the baseball diamond. But nothing known yet Lightly. at this moment. Right, right, right. Yeah. And I would imagine it's not just them. I mean, you know, both dugouts cleared. I mean, you know, it, it got it got testy. So interesting to see the fallout here. What else do you guys have? All right, Nita. So you mentioned preseason games and not wanting to see them. You want to see mixed, uh, what was it, um, two teams training in a scrimmage. You want that like on pay-per-view. You want to see that over training camp or training camp and preseason games. What? Well, that's... It, it, uh, listen, I, I would imagine I would imagine that majority of people do. If your star players, right, Harvey? If your star players are not going to play in the preseason games that are televised, why are you watching? Really, w- the most important thing for training camp and and your star players getting ready, if they're going to value the joint practices, then. Why wouldn't you want that televised over the stupid preseason games where you're going to be watching guys that probably aren't going to make the the, the squad? I it just want, doesn't make sense to me. I it want doesn't my make sense pre, to you. I want my preseason games televised over football stadiums, not two-bit football fields that hold 1,500 people. But at any rate, Sean Payton and the Broncos, they kick off their preseason on Friday against the Cardinals, and he says that he will play his starters in this game, including Russell Wilson. So how about that, Anita Marks? Yeah, um, he's trying to do everything that Nathaniel Hackett did not do uh, last season. So um, Will you so watch? I'm sure Will you watch since they're reason. playing their Listen, starters? No. No, because probably... The, who, who are they going up against? Hold on. The Cardinals. Hold on. Let me, let me call... Yeah. <laughs> Um, no, I, I don't even like, are, are the, are the Cardinals that good? I don't even, I don't think so. so. You, yeah. You, so, so, well, actually, so you want, so you don't, you won't watch a game where ahead. in preseason where the teams are going to play the starters, even though you said you'd rather watch, um, these mixed scrimmages where they barely play the starters. No, that's, you're not hearing me. Harvey, you're, that's where your starters are going to play most is in these 
these cross practices. That's where that that's where Aaron Rodgers is going to get his most playing time, and that's where Nathaniel Hackett and they're going to run the closest, um, you know, uh, offense that we will see in the regular season is in these cross practices, where we're not going to see anything in the preseason games. That's why I'm saying I would rather have a views eye and yeah on pay per view with these cross practices where we're seeing more of what we will see in the regular season. And we'll see more of our star players perform the way that we can expect them to perform in the regular season in these cross practices, more so than preseason games. That's my point. So what's what's the point of the preseason games if we're not going to see our starters play? I mean, again, yeah, Denver is one of 32. But the majority of teams in the NFL are not going to play their starters in these preseason games. Doesn't make sense, right? I think eventually they'll just uh, get away with uh, preseason, just get get rid of it, and they'll just play the games instead of uh, having a preseason at all. Well, that that could be an outcome. Again, my resolution is I'll have the have the joint practices on on pay per view, have the joint practices televised. I, I would tune into that over a preseason game where the starters aren't going to play. Now, there's a lot of people out there who, you know, uh, love to watch the drama of, you know, X player and Y player battling it out for the fifth spot on the wide receiving core. That does nothing for me. <laughs> so, um, so no, I, I'm, I'm not going to watch. Our first game, by the way, is, uh, is Thursday. You've got the Texans going up against the Patriots. Uh, and then later on that night, and this is preseason, mind you, uh, the Vikings going up against Seattle. So uh, Giants' first preseason game will be Friday, August 11th, going up against the Detroit Lions. And um, the Jets' next preseason game will be Saturday at 4 o'clock against the Panthers. Again, reports are we will not see Aaron Rodgers play in any of the preseason games, but he will be taking the majority of the snaps um, and uh, them working on the offense that we will see in regular season game one uh, against the Bucks and Carolina in those joint practices. Again, just doesn't make sense to me. Uh, anything else you guys have oh. that is trending at 11.15 a.m.? Oh, we sure do. By the way, forgot to mention, uh, Jets, if you want to listen to any of their games, feel free to listen to them right here on 98.7 ESPN. We will broadcast every single Jets game preseason, whether it be that or the regular season or maybe even the playoffs. Uh, just stay tuned to 98.7 and you can catch all of your Jets coverage. Uh, not Also, only really, Also, really quick, let me... Let me let me promote the fact that uh, New York Game Day is back for another season. We're really excited oh, it about it. It starts bright, starts bright and early at seven a.m. with fantasy forecast, getting you ready each and every week for your fantasy football matchups from seven to eight a.m. And then at eight o'clock, uh, it's me, it's Mike Tannenbaum, and Amani Toomer now joins the program. So Amani Toomer, uh, Mike, uh, um, I keep on calling him Mike, um, uh, Mike Tannenbaum. And um, and me, myself, and I, Anita Marks, uh, joining you each and every morning from 8 to 11 a.m. with New York Game Day, leading into, of course, your Jets pregame shows and whatnot. So really excited for this football season and really excited for Amani Toomer to join our team. I'm sorry, Tom. Go ahead. Oh, it's all good. I love the uh, enthusiasm that you have for Amani. Uh, speaking of, 
Uh, we were talking about the Hall of Fame game for the Jets. Well, there isn't Hall of Fame induction ceremony that does take place after the Hall of Fame game, and that, of course, took place yesterday with the inductions of Demarcus Ware, Joe Thomas, Zach Thomas, and, of course, Darrell Rivas, Jets legend, Rondé Barber, alongside Don Coriel, the legendary Joe Klecko, Chuck Howley, and Ken Riley. Well, we're going to keep things in New York for this one, and we're going to hear a little bit of what the Jets Hall of Famers now had to say during their Hall of Fame induction speeches. First off, with Darrell Rivas, he had some praise for his former head coach. Rex Ryan called me the best corner in football, and I haven't even met him yet. Needless to say, the expectations were high. After our first meeting, I was convinced I'd play my heart out for him. He was crafting a winning culture and told me that he was confident that I was a guy to set the tone for the rest of the team. Rex, thank you for seeing something special in me and motivating me to live up to, to that potential. Thank you. Thank you, Darrell Reavers, for everything you did for the New York Jets. Uh, moving on to Joe Klecko, here's what he had to say on the realization of becoming a Hall of Famer. This was actually on the Michael K. Show the day before his Hall of Fame induction, which was on Friday afternoon. Everything that happens here is done because it's the greatest that ever played the game. And putting it in words is not easy. To, to feel it, to be there and bother it. And now I'm one of 371 guys of 100 years of professional football. That's just absolutely amazing. You sure are, Joe. Congratulations on that. And also, he said he's one of 371 Hall of Famers now, but Joe does have one wish in this in his NFL career, and we're going to hear what that one wish was. Again, this is from his induction ceremony yesterday. Yeah, I wish I could play today. Not so much for the competition, but for the money. In 1986, I was the highest-paid defensive lineman in the league. I made $700,000. Today, Aaron Donald is the highest-paid defensive lineman. He makes 31000000 million.7. My entire salary was his... Point seven. Exactly. I asked him to send me some, but that didn't work either. Well, Joe, you may you may not be able to play in today's NFL, unfortunately. However, thank you again for everything you've done for the New York Jets, and congratulations to you and Darrell Revis on becoming NFL Hall of Famers. Wow. Uh, it just goes to show you, uh, you know, man, the difference, the money that these guys are making uh, back then compared to now. It, it, it really is unbelievable. Um, is that it guys anymore? I believe Harvey's got one more. He says, I got one okay. more, only one more because sure. Robert Sala has had to remind the jets now to stay off of Aaron Rodgers at their being after having a little injury scare the other day. Anita Marks, your thoughts. I'm, I'm sorry. One more time. Robert Sala has had to remind mm-hmm. the jets that they need right. to stay off of Aaron Rodgers after having an injury scare this past week. What right, say I, you? But, well, well, elaborate. What was you got to elaborate? What was the injury According scare? To what happened? Who? Rodgers came out of Joe's after his foot was stepped on while being pursued by edge rusher Jermaine Johnson. Mm. Zach Wilson took over for a few snaps after uh, Rodgers went back to the huddle. Salah said, "Salah said, quote, we do it all the time." Stay off the quarterback, respect the quarterback, end quote. Um, so if you, this reminds me of a scene from The Replacements. Did you guys ever see that movie with King Reeves? I heard that movie was overrated. How it's did a, you take it? It's a little before my time. Um, well, there's this one quote. He's wearing, he's wearing a red jersey, and, uh, and, and red means stop. 
I mean, remember, guys, remember that Rogers also injured his calf, I think, on the first yep. day of minicamp. So, yeah, but that was like he was doing something with a medicine ball. That wasn't like you know, there wasn't because anybody did anything to him, right? He wasn't hit. His foot wasn't stepped on. He didn't get knocked down. Uh, that was his own, you know, he was playing around with a, a medicine ball. But nonetheless, you've got guys that are out there that are competing for jobs, right? So they're going to be aggressive. Stuff happens. This kind of stuff happens. This just, just doesn't happen to Aaron Rodgers. This stuff happens a lot at camp. Uh, but, you know, there's a reason, again, why quarterbacks at camp are wearing red jerseys because red means stop. So, um, so listen, so much is riding on the line here with Aaron Rodgers. As we know, Aaron Rodgers goes down, Jets done, right? Like uh, you're not putting all your eggs in that Zach Wilson basket, especially with Mike White gone. So you want to protect him as much as possible and you want to be as, as careful as possible. But with all these dudes out there, um, testosterone, energy, everything flowing, trying to compete, trying to make a roster, it's not surprising this stuff happens. So... Uh, but, you know, totally understand why uh, Robert Sala wants to be as careful as possible. What are you going to do? Put him in a bubble? <laughs> what can you do? I don't know. Anyway, guys, great job. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sports book of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. You're listening to Anita Marks on 98.7 ESPN. Anita Marks with you on this Sunday fun day here on 98.7 ESPN. Again, uh, yesterday, Pro Football Hall of Fame out there in Canton. Um, a number, Rondé Barber, Darrell Rivas, Zach Thomas, Demarcus Ware, uh, all inducted into uh, Canton. And in next year, 2024, a Hall of Fame class will include Eric Berry, Jamal Charles, Antonio Gates, Brandon Marshall, Haloti Nada, and Julius Peppers. So, gentlemen, I ask you, looking ahead to 2024, is there one or two guys on this uh, list that you feel immediately will be a immediate, you know, first eligible shoe-in? For me, it's Antonio Gates and Haloti Nada. I covered Haloti Nada when he was with the Baltimore Ravens. Dude was a, a freaking beast. So um, for me, it's it's Antonio Gates and Haloti Nada, who I think for sure uh, are going to get in in the first round. 
what say you? Do you think it's do you do you see so, somebody else I'm 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 underestimating? So I think Julius Peppers has a very good shot at being that first ballot Hall of Famer. I mean, he's got 159 and a half career sacks. He's played an incredible career with the Carolina Panthers, the Chicago Bears, and the Green Bay Packers. I'm scrolling through um, football reference right now, pro football reference. He's listed as the eighth best defensive end of all time. Um, His Hall of Mm -hmm. Fame monitor on that website is 119.75. The average defensive end is a 104.25. So I think out of those guys, he's probably got the best odds to get him first ballot. I would say Antonio Gates, if you don't uh, remember, he did have a, I believe it was a PED suspension at one point. So maybe that'll hamper his case. I don't really know how that's handled Mm. in in the, the Pro Football Hall of Fame as compared to MLB, where it's almost like a blacklisting from the Hall of Fame. Uh, Haloti Nada had a great career. I just don't believe he'll be a first bout Hall of Famer. Uh, maybe I'm thinking of, maybe I don't remember his career nearly as much as Julius Peppers or Antonio Gates, but I would say Peppers has the best shot. Um, again, Julius Peppers, 134 and a half career sacks, ninth most, like you said, uh, amongst defensive ends. Um, Associated Press, Defensive Rookie of the Year in 2022, uh, First Team All-Pro 2004, 2006, 2010. Um, I, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I think you're right. I think he gets in, uh, but I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm just too close to the situation because I covered Haloti Nada uh, in, in what a, a complete beast he is. But I think you're right. I think it's Antonio Gates and Julius Peppers. Um, this is really interesting. This is a this is a column up on CBSSports.com. Uh, the title is Ranking Active NFL QBs by Hall of Fame Chances. Uh, nine veterans who could be enshrined down the road. One is Aaron Rodgers. Of course, that's a stone-cold lock. No surprise there. The other one, Patrick Mahomes. Don't you think that's interesting? Like Patrick Mahomes, still early on in his career, so much more that he can accomplish and do. But if if he was to uh, if he was to retire today, uh, shoe in right immediately into into Canton in the Hall of Fame. Agree or disagree? Completely agree. If Terrell Davis can get in for five great years, then most certainly Patrick Mahomes can get in for his essentially, his, actually is his exact five full seasons in the NFL so far. Two MVPs, two Super Bowls. What else can you ask for? He's already in my mind, at least from what I've seen in my lifetime, one of the greatest Hall, uh, excuse me, one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. Again, that's just in my lifetime. Maybe not. you might not necessarily view that all time already and I understand if you do but Patrick Mahomes the sheer skills he displays on the field every single time he straps up it it's absolutely amazing a 64 and 16 record too to go along with everything that he's accomplished already he would be a shoo in my in my book on the fence they list Russell Wilson uh Josh Allen um Joe Burrow Jalen Hurts Lamar Jackson Justin Herbert long shots Matthew Stafford um, and that's their list. So long shot, Matthew Stafford, who's won a Super Bowl. Um, you know, at the end of the day, and, and just in reading this column and, and, and just kind of uh, playing around and, and mentally digesting this, the thought process here, uh, we're really, we've got some really, really great quarterbacks uh, strutting their stuff and showcasing what they can do in the NFL. We really do. I, it's, it's really, it's, it's, a, it's a really good time. Uh, at the quarterback position, there's just so much talent there in, um, in, in, you know, what we see in the NFL compared to, to years past. 
I mean, you know, there was a time way back, right? Like where it was like Dan Marino and um, Jim Kelly. And, you know, it's like, I can't remember there was, I can't remember there was ever a time where we've had such a plethora of young, exciting quarterback talent that's leading the way for a number of NFL teams, right? And I'm not saying that these guys are as good as Dan Marino or these guys are as good as Joe Montana. It's time, you know, that will be revealed, right? Like time will tell, but just the crop of, of, of quarterbacks and that position and what it entails right now, um, it looks like the future is, is quite bright. All right, uh, come back. Uh, we'll talk some baseball. If you missed it, we had uh, Tilly on from Newsday earlier. Uh, we'll hear from him yet again, talking about the Mets. Uh, Steve Cohen, owner of the Mets, sent out a letter to uh, Mets season ticket holders saying, don't worry about 2024. Uh, we will put a substantial team together that will be competitive. Uh, we'll talk. We'll discuss that with Tim coming up next right here on 98.7 ESPN. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. You're listening to Anita Marks on 98.7 ESPN. Anita Marks with you on this Sunday fun day here on 98.7 ESPN. Earlier this morning, if you missed it, Tim Healy from Newsday joined us about the Mets. Uh, as we know, I don't want to call it a fire sale, but um, but definitely sellers, not buyers at the trade deadline. Max Scherzer makes his way uh, over to the Texas Rangers and spoke to the media and said that he was informed that 2024 was not going to be a year that the Mets were going to put their best team on the field. Steve Cohen felt that he needed to send a letter to uh, the Mets season ticket holders uh, to uh, to say that's not the case, that they are going to put a good team together next season. So, uh, Tim Healy, what say you? What can we expect for 2024? Well, I think the Mets will be a fine team, but as Scherzer very helpfully told us, and as Steve Cohen and Billy Epler said in their more politically correct way, the Mets aren't going to go all in next year. It's going to be a bit of a transition year, re- you know, trying to lay the groundwork for a better 2025, 2026, and beyond. So the letter from the Cohen's two season ticket holders was interesting because it left out that key sentiment. Like, uh, on the one hand, the Mets have said, yes, we want to be competitive in 2024, but without as many stars, without going as hard in free agency, without the expectations as high as they were the last couple of years. So notably, naturally, they left that out of the letter to season ticket holders. Um, so it was just really just, that letter to season ticket holders was basically just a sales pitch. You know, one thing, and, and I'm just, and, and folks that are, are just tuning in, uh, article up on, uh, on, on ESPN.com as well, and I'm sure Tim has written about it. Uh, one thing Steve Cohen said is, in, in this letter, uh, is, is that 
you know, there's a lot of dead money for this team in, in 2024. So pretty much what he's saying is they'll have a strong team in 2024, but but make a real impact in 2025 and 2026. So a, a few things. Number one, based on, on, you know, the deals that they made at the trade deadline, I've received, especially with Robertson, I received a, n- a number of calls from Mets fans. Why'd they trade him so early? Couldn't they have gotten a better deal? Who are these young prospects that are coming in? Um, you know, they're not even at the top of, um, a, a number of, uh, of of websites in regard to some of the best farm players out there. On a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being the best, Tim, how do you feel that the Mets did at the trade deadline and what they did get back for the players that they let go? Altogether or in the case of the Robertson trade? All, all together, as a whole. I'm just saying I received a number of calls from disappointed Mets right. fans uh, not, you know, feeling like, you know, who are these young prospects that that came in they're not even you know at the top of a number of websites when it comes to uh, farm system players uh and yeah. they felt that they could have held on to robertson as they got closer to tuesday uh and, and possibly get a better deal from someone else so all i'm saying is i there was disappointment then i'm curious as a whole uh what they got back and where they stand right now uh, you know do you feel that they did well i think they did they did fine. You know, I, I, it, with prospects, it's so hard to tell. All, all you can go off of is their perceived ceiling, their perceived future ability. The best players they got back naturally were in the Scherzer and Verlander deals. And the, the names to keep an eye on are, are Luis Angel Acuna, who they mm-hmm. got from the Rangers, the brother, brother of Ronald Acuna, He's a shortstop who also plays second and outfield. So there's some real interesting stuff going on there with him. Uh, and then the guys they got from for Verlander, the second name in that deal, Ryan Clifford, who's a first baseman slash outfielder, currently playing with Brooklyn, the Brooklyn Cyclones, actually, for anybody interested in going, you know, who lives locally and wants to go see him. Um, he has big-time power, so it's going to be really interesting to see how that develops. He may well be the best of the three. And then Drew Gilbert is an outfielder who, as Billy Epler put it, plays with his hair on fire, which is honestly kind of sounds like an entertaining player. That's my kind of player. So did they do well? The Mets think so, but they have to think so. Otherwise, uh, you know, Billy Epler's going to get fired. So it's it's we won't know for years if this really works out for the Mets. And who knows? Maybe the seventeen-year-old, uh, uh, maybe the seventeen-year-old shortstop they got from the Diamondbacks for Tommy Pham turns out better than everybody. So that's the nature of the minor league stuff. They look like they did fine. I don't think the Mets, you know, blew everybody out of the water with this stuff. But their farm system by default looks better now than it did a week and a half ago. So. That's what they wanted to do, and and they did it to whatever degree. Um, in regard, there's there's some talk and speculation in the off season. Pete Alonso potentially being traded. I know he, what he has one year of arbitration eligibility, right before he becomes a free agent in 2025. Jeff McNeil, yeah. do you see other star players on this Mets roster being traded in the off season? Well, the big one as you said, is Pete Alonso because he is scheduled to become a free agent until 2024. Alonso and the Mets 
refuse to say publicly whether they even want to discuss a long-term deal or whether they have interest in that. So they sort, of, they sort of talk around it when they get asked very directly. So this is something that will hang over the Mets until it's resolved one way or another, until he gets the long-term contract or until he gets traded or signs elsewhere. This is going to be one of the biggest things following the Mets for uh, 15, 16 months, potentially, maybe longer, depending on how next offseason goes. So will he get traded? I, I don't think so, because there's almost no way you trade your best hitter and then are competitive next year, especially when you're going to um, not put a ton of effort and a ton of money into free agency. So I fully expect Pete Alonso to stay. And if I were the Mets, I would sign him forever because he's the best power hitter you've developed in the history of your organization. And you should keep him around as the face of the franchise. Um, but I, I, we don't know that that for sure that that's going to happen. I like to give Steve Cohen the benefit of the doubt because he's done a lot of the obvious smart things since taking over and this falls into that category you know i and, and again uh, tim healy joining us now you can see his work all over newsday uh, you know i, I compared i compared when, when he came out uh, what maybe about two months ago this is right after the all-star break right tim and said listen 350 million dollars like you know I, I i i tried to put the best team available and, and one would argue really max scherzer verlander at their age really was that really uh, making the wisest decision. That's neither here nor there. It, there's no denying that this is an owner that loves this organization, wants to win, and has endless pockets in order to make that happen. Um, but said it's up, it's up to them in that clubhouse to really turn this around and for us to make a decision as we get closer to the trade deadline. And I commend him for doing that. You know, there are, and, and I'm sure you know this in covering sports as long as we have Tim. Like, there's a lot of owners and, and general managers that are terrified to admit that they made a mistake. And, and they will go down, they will go down with the sinking ship instead of, um, pivoting. And what we saw here is Steve Cohen in this organization pivoting. And I commend them for that. Yeah. Whether you like the direction the Mets are going in or not, you have to give them some credit for making a choice and going as fully as they did in that, in that direction. And, you know, probably setting themselves up for a better future, if not a better immediate future. Um, you know, compare what the Mets did in that hard pivot to, say, the Yankees, who just seemed completely lost and didn't do anything really at the trade deadline. The Yankees ostensibly are in the playoff race, but I think you have to like the Mets' longer-term future a lot better than the Yankees. Well, uh, that's interesting. <laughs> um, uh, not, not, not music to the, uh, the ears of a lot of Yankee fans. So again, uh, as we know, the Mets out of it. Um, it will be interesting to see, you know, what this team, what this roster does look like in 2024. Uh, Tim, I'm sure the next, uh, you know, hot stove, cold stove, I'm sure the next few months uh, are going to be really intriguing. But you mentioned the Yankees uh, who now have, uh, have won uh, beat, 
the Houston Astros yesterday. They are 11 games out of uh, first place in the American League East. Baltimore has just been tearing it up. They've got a three-game lead on the Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, they've just been tremendous, and what a great storyline that is. I'm sure Yankee fans don't want to hear that, but I spent four years in Baltimore. Trust me, these fans, uh, they've been been—they've just been miserable for years. I'm, I'm thrilled for them. Uh, but big picture here before we let you go, big landscape here. You know, who, who, do you, who do you like at the stretch now, right? Coming in to potentially, um, you know, we, we've, we're past the trade deadline. Now we, we see, we know what these teams are going to look like as we head closer and closer to the postseason. You know, the Atlanta Braves, obviously so dominant. The Orioles, one of the best storylines. You've got the Rangers as well. Um, the Dodgers making a run. Uh, now the Arizona, I love the, I love the Arizona Diamondbacks coming into uh, the season. Um, now they're third in the National League West. Uh, the Reds, a really great storyline as well. With all that being said, you know, who do you like down the stretch here? Down the stretch getting into the playoffs or once we get to the playoffs in the World Series? But let, let's, let's talk both. Um, who, who do you like? Who, who do you think? Who do, okay, two-part question here. Number one, let's go with this. Um, who, do you, who do you think is going to surprise some folks and get in? Are you confident that the Yankees are going to get in as a wild card? Uh, I'm not confident at all that the Yankees are going to get in. Are going to get in. They're mm-hmm. three and a half back right now, and they've got some really good teams in front of them, including two in the division plus the Astros, who they've handled this weekend fine, but uh, you know, bigger picture never seems to beat. I am a sucker, though, for new blood, and you mentioned both of them, but we, we've seen some teams this year who have – endured really deep, really long rebuilds. And now they're coming out the other side of those rebuilds with really exciting young players and are good, good at baseball as a team, maybe a year or two earlier than they expected. So that the Orioles are leading the AL East, I think is, is very funny and awesome and very entertaining. And then that the Reds right now hold a wild card spot uh, is also a lot of fun. And they're right there in their own division, the NL Central. So I like, I, I, I'm going to enjoy watching both of those two teams down the stretch. Uh, when it comes to the, the playoffs overall, it's, you know, listen, anything can happen in a playoff series, right? We've seen that especially the last two years. But the Braves are a wagon. I mean, they, they quietly have become maybe the preeminent franchise in all of baseball, they're just so good at everything. So good. I when when they lost their their ace Max Freed in like May, I thought, wow, these guys are going to be vulnerable. You know, uh, maybe there's room for somebody else in the division to make a run at them. And then they got hot and barely ever lose. And now Freed is back, and nothing bad happened to the Braves. So uh, Atlanta's just really, really good. Unfortunately for the Mets and the rest of the division. Absolutely. Um, and big picture here, if you were to go to the window and put a wager down on a Major League Baseball team to win this whole damn thing this season, it sounds like it would be the Atlanta Braves. Is that who you're feeling right now? Probably, yeah. I mean, the, the, the beauty of baseball is that it's a total crapshoot once we get down to it, but I think you have, the strongest case absolutely belongs to the Braves. Could it be the Braves? Could it be the Yankees? The Yankees are 50-1. to 50-1. to one to win the World Series. Just FYI. You're listening to Anita Marks on 98.7.
ESPN. Nina Marks with you on this Sunday fun day. Been with you since 8 a.m. Hopefully you tuned in to our golf show. Getting you ready for the uh, the final round of the Wyndham Championships. And uh, you've got Lucas Glover, Billy Horschel, and Russell Henley at the top leaderboard. I really think it's going to come down to one of these three cats. Data Golf gives him a, uh, anywhere between a, a, all of them around a 30% chance of winning. Uh, I picked Russell Henley on Wednesday, got him at 25 to 1. All these guys are 2 to 1 right now, so I'm going to hedge my bet. I'm going to put some money on Billy Horschel. Probably my favorite bet is Billy Horschel to have a better round than Lucas Glover. And you could get that at minus 110. That's how I'm going to play that today. Um, let's go to Danny in Long Island. Danny, got to make it quick. I only got, got about two minutes before I pass the baton on to Larry Hardesty. But what say you, Danny? Two minutes, 150. Let's go. Uh, <laughs> the nose guard of the Ravens, nada, is a Hall of Famer. And the problem with the Hall of Fame voting, first of all, the system in the NFL is a joke where people make speeches on behalf of the players, is that the man dominated a position that doesn't have any stats. Because you block two blockers and, and somebody else made the tackle. But if you watch him or guys like Casey Hampton, you don't have a great 3-4 defense in the NFL if you don't have a nose tackle that's dominating your position. And unfortunately, there's no stats. And on the other side, you have these quarterbacks now, which are putting up fantasy football numbers. Oh, Kirk Cousins will end with 25,000. Is he a Hall of Famer? No, he's not. I don't care what kind of stats he puts up. So you have positions that have no stats and other positions that have all the stats. And somehow they have to come up with a way. Let, this, let, let the players, let ex-players vote and you can't vote for players that you played for. Let, let, let the ex-players have a veterans committee that saw these people, that know the game, that know the, the dominance of certain positions. Let them do the voting. That's it. Danny, appreciate the call. And uh, in imperfect time, because I've got about 50 seconds left. <laughs> so you definitely want to stay tuned. Uh, Larry Hardesty comes your way next. Um, I want to thank uh, both Tom and Harvey for producing the show today, gentlemen. Really do appreciate you, especially our click or don't click. Uh, that's always a fun segment, keeping us in the know. Um, I am off. I am heading over to uh, the dog park because it's beautiful out. Dogs deserve an opportunity to go out there and play with their friends. Uh, it's a pool day for me. I'm actually heading to the pool. And, uh, and I'm back on the airwaves tomorrow night. I'm in for Dan Graza from 7 to 10 p.m. tomorrow night. So excited to be back on with you guys. Uh, I am off next weekend. I am heading to Saratoga. I'll be at Saratoga Springs on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So hopefully I will see a number of you out there. You're listening to Anita Marks on 98.7 ESPN. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today.